3: Based on Cox analysis of Ookla speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022, and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.
4: back to a Celtic state of mind. I'm Paul John Dykes and today we have two very special guests. Uh, my co-commentator is Colin Watt and we have European Cup winner Paul Lambert and Simon Donnelly, both men who stopped the 10. How are you doing, guys? Yeah. Very
5: good. Yeah, all good. Very good. Yeah,
4: fine. I've been posting about that this week and... Um, I find it incredible that it's been 25 years, Paul Lambert. That time doesn't come by itself, does it? I mean, you you must feel a wee bit uh, older. Obviously, Simon's got the Gregory Peck's on. Um, how how are you feeling yourself, Paul? Are you in good health?
5: Touch wood, yeah. I think that's the most important aspect for anybody. Is, is, is as long as you're healthy, that's that's the most thing. Be you're right. The 25 years thing is is um, is it, a great thing. Time waits for nobody. And and it's and it catches you and and it will you can never beat it. And twenty five years is a a hell of a long time, but it was a monumental thing. Just my I don't know Simon's opinion, but my time was. I think that created a legacy for Celtic to really kick on because it stopped that ten in a row and protected the the Lions' history and, and what the club stood for. So, and Simon will tell you that Rangers team. I think. Well, that Rangers era was probably the strongest era that I'd played against in an in, in old firm rivalry.
4: You know, when I look at that, Simon, on that point that Paul's making there, I started going to the games in 1987, 88, and we win the double that year. And I'm thinking, this is great. This is this is what it's like to be a Celtic supporter. But then I need to wait until the season that we're going to be talking about today to see another league win. Uh, You came in kind of in the middle of all that, you know, breaking into the side um, as well. And, you know, prior to Paul's arrival, prior to Vim Jansen's arrival, did you have a belief that, you know, maybe Tommy Burns would have brought the title to Celtic? Did you think he was building something special?
2: Yeah, I think just what Lambo's touching on there, obviously, about his preserving the Lisbon Lions nine in the row, but I, th- I think it did start with the TB coming back to the club. Uh, I signed in 92. And again, as Lambo touches on there, a period where Rangers were really, really strong. Uh, and we suffered because of that. You know, But I was there at the start of Tommy coming back to the club and bringing in some real quality players from abroad that helped the guys that were already there. And there was signs of us getting closer, you know, that none more so than I think 95, 96, we only get beat once. Ultimately, too many draws, you know, uh, didn't get us over the line. And then just round the corner, you know, after Tommy Vim stepped in, and, you know, the rest is history. But that, I think, was the start. And when, from my personal point of view, seeing guys like Pierre come out of the club, Andy Tom, Cadet, the Canyon, it, it lifted us to a place where we did see ourselves getting closer to the Rangers. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it, it gave you hope. It did give you hope. But as I say, when when Vim came in, in in 97, 98, you know, it's an incredible story, really, because this guy here included, but there was so many new guys coming through the door for us yeah. to click so quickly and, and, and win that league. It's, it is an incredible story.
6: Yeah, it definitely is. I was just going to ask, obviously you spoke about the Tommy Burns side and obviously if you ask a lot of um, Celtic fans from that era they'll say it's the greatest football they've seen Celtic play ever it was just attacking football, it was the Celtic way what was the difference between that side and the side that Wim brought in what was the difference between the two coaching methods that eventually made Wim the guy that brought home the title and stopped at 10? It's a great question
2: it really is a great question because I enjoyed to playing both sides. There was some real talent on both sides. Uh, I think maybe there was more of a solid look about us in 97-98. He brought in some defenders there. As I say, Lambo came in. Lambo and Craig Burley in the middle of the park that season were phenomenal. You know, they really complemented each other. Burley breaking into the box. I think Butler must have got about 15-16 goals. Uh and it, we just seemed to click. We obviously had the guy up front that mm. came in and made such a huge difference for us. But we did. We, we seem to gel. It's, it is a really good question because I look back to 95, 96, a lot of good players as well. Mm. But I think just too many draws. And now, when it pops up on your Twitter 25 twenty five years ago on this day, and I watch some of the games back, the late goals, the important goals that we scored, it just seemed to all-click in place in ninety seven, ninety eight.
4: 98 You know, when we're looking at it as, as fans, Paul, uh, it was a massive thing for us because it was stopping the 10. Some fans don't like calling it that. They like saying it was winning the one. But we were stopping that 10 in a row. Uh, the, the campaign started off by yourself in Germany. Um, Rangers spent £14.5 million pound that pre-season. So when it was pitched to you that there was a potential move to Celtic on the cards... Um, was it pitched to you that you were coming in to, as Simon says, be one of the building blocks to to prevent that from happening? Was that the sole focus of the campaign or did you think it might have taken a season or two?
5: I think you'd have to be born in the moon not to realise the pressure Celtic were under at that time because of 10 in a row. That, that never phased me. The, 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 the Simon's obviously longer, so he they last would know what it was like with Rangers' dominance of... Rangers every time, every year, every year they're winning and winning. So the 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 fear factor was never there for me. I knew the size of the club and knew the a little bit about it. Just knowing some of the lads from the Scotland the national team. But um yeah, Vim yeah, listen, Vim gave me a chat he gave me a chat up in Aberdeen when I was playing with Scotland and asked would I come to Celtic. And the first few times I said no, um, because I was happy in Dortmund, everything was good. I could have went anywhere at that time but I always say to Dortmund no, I, I really enjoy it here and then things transpired uh, on different things and then he, he tried it again uh, and I think I, th- I think I signed in, in November time I think mm-hmm. yeah. and uh, uh, I've got to be totally honest I was terrible first few games I was absolutely horrendous couldn't get a grip of it and then um, and uh, I thought no I need, I need to I need to try and Get the emotion for Dortmund away, and then on Celtic because that was that was playing in my head, and uh, it wasn't until after we we played in the United. States, I remember in the Cup Final, and the yep. the, the lads went, went on and won it. And I remember having a meet with them, and I think we stayed in the Cameron House down down in Hi. that time. And I went to see them on a the Friday, and uh, before we picked the team, and I said to him, "Listen, don't play me. If you are thinking about playing me, don't play me." Because I'm not playing well, Play Martin v and Craig, because these lads have been playing well with these lads. I said i ain't playing, so if you're thinking about playing me, don't play me. And uh, he went, oh, let me think about And I said, no, I'm. I want to make the decision for you. Don't. I'm not playing well enough to play in your team. Let it go. And he did. He put me on the bench. And I played about three and a half seconds of that game or whatever it was, and, and the lads done the done the job. But I knew I would. I would find my feet. It was just. But I knew the challenge of Rangers was there. But the, the pressure never really really got to me because I, I was an outsider coming into it, whereas the lads that were there before knew exactly what what it was like the year before or the year before where, where Rangers were winning and winning. All we had to do was hang, keep... And Simon probably said, I, I think we only had maybe 15, 16 lads that, that could have performed that season. We didn't have a big squad compared to what Rangers had. We just had to keep everybody fit. And once we'd done that, I thought we were a right good side.
4: Yeah, I mean, that game, that's a personal sacrifice I wasn't aware of, Paul, but... Um, I wasn't aware, By the way, I wasn't aware of that as well. Was really I was going to
6: Simon, you were on the bench there as well. Did you
2: go to... No, no, I never... I was desperate to play. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, my, my story for that one is uh, it's a wee bit different as well, but I'd started the season again through a wee bit of default because we were playing Tyrell in Europe and Darren Jackson took on well. We were coming up from, it might have been Cameron House again. We were coming up on the bus, and he took on well. He was starting the game. Subsequently, Vim came up to me in the bus says, listen, Darren, is not well. You're going to start. I came in and I scored two that night, and I scored a penalty. So, automatically, I'm on the penalties. Anyway, fast forward to the week before that cup final. We were playing Dundee United again. And Vim took me in and he says, listen, happy with what you've been doing, but I'm going to give you a rest today. I'm going to play Andy Tom. He needs some game time. We're going to rest you. Uh I'm right, that's fine. We get a penalty in that game early on. And I remember sitting on the bench thinking, I'm on the penalties. I'd have been taking that. Andy, I think, scored the penalty. I think he got two that day and had a great game and started the final the next week. So it was, it's just the way some things go in football. I'd been in good form. He decided to take me out and rest, mate, and Andy started the game the following week.
4: You know, when you look at that final, Simon, I heard a lot of chat last season, you know, with uh, Ange Postacoglu coming in, his last managerial post had been in Japan, similar to, to Vim Jansen. There was yeah. a League Cup win. It seemed to galvanise the side a bit. Did, did you see any kind of similarities or comparisons between the two
2: campaigns last season when, when Ange came in? I did. I did, die. even Even the start. Even mm. the start when... He comes in at 10 Castle and he gets beat. We had the two games, Easter Road and then we get beat against them firmly. To start the season with no points, with a new manager, all these new players come in and I keep saying this should be a film this particular one season. Now, now we're, we're, we're obviously doing it as a, a show at the end of or the middle of May. But it's it's a remarkable story and I did last year as it was unfolding. You could see all the similar similarities. Yeah. Thankfully, Uh, and just stuck about because as we know Vim was there and he had his reasons and and unfortunately for us he moved on straight after that season
4: Yeah, I mean looking at his career as well Paul um, obviously he he had played against Celtic in the 1970 European Cup final he had appeared in two World Cup finals for the Netherlands was there anything he could do as a former midfielder uh, to tap into your own psyche and, and assist you as a coach as well Paul?
5: Again Simon Terry he was really calm he never I mean I can't remember him ever raising his voice at anything you know and he, no. he put it in a way I think Simon said there he, he told him no playing I, I always remember him saying and God rest him Phil Adorno. he walked by Phil O'Donnell in the corner one day before he named the team This just says to him you're not playing today Phil you understand and walked by him and Phil was starting for words if they say what do you say to that but there's no, there's no comeback to that and I always think when he, when a manager comes in, especially the level he played at, and I mean, and you read his, his, what he's done in his game, or what he did, it, it's actually, and I only really noticed this maybe a few months ago, what Vim Jansen had won yes. and what he'd done as a player is extraordinary, with, with the titles and, the, and World Cup things and things like that. And I always think if Johan Cruyff turned around and said they wouldn't have been the same player, Vim Jansen never played behind him, it must have been some player. But you never thought that the way he went about it, Simon eh? you'd have thought He
2: was... you know, so it, it was so so yeah. humble and yeah. the humility. He never ever it was one time, I don't know if you remember, it was one time and I wish I could remember who it was. It was getting a wee bit above their station at training. from I don't know if it was maybe before you arrived. But we're up at Barrafield and I don't know who it was. I wish I could remember. And he just turned around and says, when you've played in two World Cup finals, maybe you can come back and speak to <laughs> it was the perfect, It was a perfect put-down. But yeah. he said it in a way, you know, we were all decking ourselves, laughing. Mm-hmm. But that was the only time that ever, I ever heard him refer back to his own career, you know. Mm-hmm. And we were, we, were, we, were, we were ignorant to an extent when he came in. Because there'd been other names uh, linked with the club and Van Jansen came in. But then when you do strip it back, as Lambo says there, and I've read bits of his book since as well, this guy was a top operator. Yeah. You know, he played in two World Cup finals. He went in the final to the European Cup. He was a top, top player, but just his manner. And as, as Lambo says there, very calm. And probably somebody that we, we needed in that real pressure yeah. cooker of 97-98. Of mm-hmm.
5: The only thing you really ever say to me, he said, if you see something on the pitch, change it. He said, I'm only, I want to have a, a word with you after it if you don't change it. And I've told you. That's the only thing he ever said to me, really, before before yeah. game. He said, you're on the field. If you see something, don't look over to me and think, you change it because you can see it. And I thought, bloody yeah, hell, that's a... I always thought if i never done it, he would question his end and say, why did you not change it? 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 Yeah. And that, that, To me, that was the secret of them. But really, just touched on how calm he was. And Simon said that. Would it have happened to any other manager? It's a real difficult question. He, he's probably... No many many could have done that 10 in a row one stopped up, But he's mm. definitely up there with the best of them. Yeah, for sure. When
4: did it click for you then, Paul? You said that things weren't going so well at the, at the, the beginning, mm. yourself Celtic yeah. care. When did you feel, right, I'm on it and, and it's clicked in for you?
5: I think it took me a good... a good month. I think just before the Rangers game I was starting to find my... Kind of feet the, the one we beat them two at, now at Parkhead that that's when I was starting to kind of get a grip it of it but I knew the uh, that game whether Craig's goal had, had won that game for us that was that was enough all we had to do was try and beat them and it pulled them back into the into their fight really because Hearts were still hovering about at that time weren't they Hearts were still yeah. Hearts were a good team at that yeah. point, at that point so but to pull Rangers back in was was going to be a big one for us and that that was a game I think if Craig had scored and made it one nil. Been great, you take the points and then you, you go out. Because I think the week after that, we root Motherwell uh, the week after that. So I, I think then it was about a month before I started to find my feet of the magnitude here is going to be, be massive, actually, if we can get this, if we can win this,
6: really. Yeah, A lot of people talk about that game as being the sort of turning point of the season, the, the, the point where a lot of people think, right, we can do this, we can we can really stop the 10, we can win the one. For you guys, when did it start to kind of hit on you that, do you know what, they've had a good start of the season, but we are starting to click, we're starting to get into this, and we can really do it? I think. I, I, was,
5: no, I, I was just saying, I think they did not beat us at iWorks
3: 2-0. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet.
1: This week on the marketers report, Patrizio Spanoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on building trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy. And we have to be very respectful about that. Our partnership with iHeart has really helped us build that trust and that relationship with the on air talent. As the number one audio company, iHeart Media gives you access to all, every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the data you need to grow. Go to iHeartResults.com for more.
5: After that,
6: again,
5: yeah, mean, the beat is 2 0. We always knew it was going to be Napping tuck the way we were going. As Simon touched on it, we, we had a really good side. All we had to do was keep keep everybody kind of fit <clears> at <throat> that point. And for some strange reason, we'd done it with a good magic to keep us calm on it. with good good guys. I thought we, do you know what, one of the most things, I, th- I thought we were a really strong dressing room. I mean, talking about dressing rooms now, whether people single people out, but we had that wee bit of nasty streak. And there, I think that people could single each other out, but you'd always be behind your mate's back. And for me, I also thought the team spirit was going to be a massive thing for us because I think everybody got on. Uh, do you know what, I wouldn't, I, I, I mean, unless Simon can go against it, I think everybody got on really well in that
2: dressing room. I I'm just about anything. to say, it was the tightest dressing room I was in that period. Yeah. You know, there, there was boys that had already experienced Celtic uh, and then there was guys like Lambo coming in uh, I think it was seven or eight new guys came in, but yeah. it was a few of the Scottish boys that knew each other from the international setup. It was For, for me, you look back in football because it's ships passing the night at times in yeah. dressing rooms, but I've got a lot of pals still from that dressing room, and, and I think that was the tightest yeah. one that I've, I was in in my career. The,
5: the, the big thing for me, sorry just for button in there, is, is uh, obviously I came back from Germany, and Simon said a lot of foreign lads, and Simon will tell you the Christmas night suit. That first one I'd never seen anything like that. I went, Jesus, this is this is Mayhem and then you see all the foreign lads dressed up as a panda or whatever it is, and you think, Jesus, these guys must be like oh, what the hell's going on here? But they quickly, quickly integrated with it. And, and that, that was the secret to it. And it was it was a really tight really a really tight dressing that. Yeah, very good.
6: I mean it's it is on the lunchtime, so I don't know if there's many stories you can tell from that night out. Paul. maybe <laughs> No. The, maybe maybe at the night that we're having in May, but yeah. what was it? Yeah, save, save for May at 9 that. o'clock. Yeah.
5: We'll keep, keep that one a secret. <laughs> that just one just remember
6: we're before the watershed here, but um, <laughs> no, it's, obviously you're saying it's, it's a tight dressing room. You can actually see that now with the current Celtic team. You mm-hmm. see with Callum being the leader, even guys like Greg Taylor stepping up over the last couple of months, integrating a lot of the foreign players that you're speaking about it is quite scary how much there is similarities between the team in 97-98 and the current team and you, you kind of wonder how much of that success this time round is down to the manager as much as it was Wim and you wonder if Wim had stayed on and there wasn't Dr Joe and there wasn't that sort of period where Rangers continued to outspend, what do you think that team under Wim could have went on to achieve? No. <laughs>
5: I think if them had stayed the way probably Andrew's doing it, and now he's tapped into the 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 Asian market, and all the lads have done brilliant. I mean, I don't know if the lads can speak English or, or they understand it Or, whatever, or they, they, but the the good thing is about them, they, they've got a few that that know each other that they can lean on. Plus, they have the the Scottish lads or the British lads that they can they can hang on to things with. We we had it. We uh, Reggie was there, Henrik was there Big Reaper was there uh, I'm trying to think who else came in at that point Enrico uh, was there Enrico still there, yeah yep. was still there so and the foreign lads really really took to it where I think the Scottish lads they had that little bit of steel and nastiness in them to, to help them they gave us a wee magic gold dust and Simon touched on it there listen Simon could score don't, don't don't think for one minute he could get us a goal or, or Henrik or Harold Backpack or whatever and, and when you look at that you think, dear, dear we we have the power up front. We just had as I even said there, I think the, the defensive side there was probably a rock behind us. And we had Gildie, who I know it takes a ribbon at things, but he he played some really good games for us and, and done done great for us. So defensively we were we were strong. Reaper, Reaper would would kick the ball, I mean, and he rose the head and think that was that job done. We look back on it, it was. And Stubbs beside him was was excellent. So yeah. And then Miko played in the game against Rangers. Sam, do you remember the 2 0 game? Anoni was absolutely fantastic that mm-hmm. night because he man Mark Louder, and he never gave him an absolute kick. Of the that, that for me was the key. Yeah. To the game was Anoni against Louder because he was outstanding. yeah, Anone. yeah for sure.
4: I remember uh, getting the opportunity to ask him about that, Paul. And he says that because he had played in Serie, A, he had marked Brian Louder, mm-hmm. his brother. He says, and if you could mark his brother, you could mark Brian. Yeah. Uh, because, point. obviously, uh, he was a world-class player. But, yeah. Simon, I've, I've spoke to you before about some of the influences that you you took from uh, people coming from overseas, like Pierre van Hoedonk, for example. You've previously said that was kind of like a bit of a game changer uh, in the dressing room on a training pitch. And yeah. we've been talking about it over the last 18 months, about the influence of the Japanese players coming at the Celtic and how that can rub off on their teammates. Yeah. Uh, was it a wee bit like that with the likes of Henrik Larsson, for example, some of the Scandinavian boys that came in at Celtic? Did you learn a lot? What, what kind of things did they bring to the dressing room?
2: Just extra quality. Extra quality. I look back at my time at Celtic. I was near 92 to 99. And within that time, thankfully we won. I won a league. Uh, Lambo obviously went on to more success after I, I left. But I look back and I, I look at playing the guys that... Like, Lambo, Paul McStay, Lubo Maravich, Henrik Larsen, Pierre Van Hout. These are guys that, when people look back, I mean, arguably Henriks and Lubo would be in the top Celtic team. You know, Lubo we got far too late in his career. I think of if, if we got him early. Uh, so I just look back and how fortunate I was to play with guys of that calibre. But what they brought to the team was how they went about their business. I was a young lad in the team when Pierre came in and watching him working on his game afterwards. Andy Tom coming in. Paul always tell you, like, working day in, day out with players, you you learn little bits off them. You watch how they go about their business. Henrik was the same. Uh, So, I think if you're not picking things up off these guys, you're doing something wrong yourself. You know, I always looked to other players and tried to take things from their game. And, they just as I say that that initial team brought us closer to Rangers and then when the likes of Lambeau and the guys came in and Henrik, that was the team that found, thankfully got us over the line and, and stopped, you know, them going for the ten. Uh but it was a process and it was a it's a process I'm really when I look back now at forty eight I'm thinking I played with some right good players, you know, I've been really lucky and fortunate to do that in my Celtic career.
6: Mm-hmm. The amount of people that actually were shocked there when you said you're 48, Simon. <laughs>
2: uh, yeah. Well, as he said, as the man there said, it waits for nobody. So yeah, a lot greyer now, and I'm wearing these glasses, so definitely 48. Paul,
4: you mentioned Jonathan Gould. I sometimes think about uh, Gould as being one of the kind of unsung heroes of that side. You know, guys mm-hmm. like Reaper, like you say, they go about their business, but they're they're really pivotal. Um, and I think. Special mention to somebody like Murdo McLeod, who, mm-hmm. you know, he probably, he was there when when Vim Jansen came in. I think he took some of the first preseason training. Simon of them, of right? Yeah, did, uh, yeah, And he knows the club. He's played for the club. How important was he, Paul, uh, throughout that season for Wim it, it
5: it'd have been a, a cornerstone to him, just because I think them coming over and, and from Japan and not really known. What things were were going to be really like? So Murdoch must have became a great a great ally to him. I think people, I think Simon can correct me if I'm wrong here. I think David Hay was still at the club as well. Was that right, Simon? David and Andy Ritchie, who were Celtic through and through, so they they knew exactly what what the club was losing. It. I think I think I just came in and Paul Paul McStay was retiring. I think Paul was leaving and he was leaving. That was two two stalwarts. I thought. Their midfield—it's a massive chunk to lose at your team, especially mistakes. I thought he was—he's arguably probably dear or there in the top midfield that Celtic's yeah. ever had. So, when you when you look at that, it was a big chunk. But and Vim would have had to lean in Murdo a lot. Do you think? Well, who can we get in here and assess the current guys that are already there? Because he knew the challenge was: would it have been a ten in a row How do we stop it? How do, we, how do we stop this? It doesn't matter. You should bring in anybody, the pressure would have still been, would have still been there. But I think the Murdo would have been a, a pivotal ally to him without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah.
6: You spoke about McStay uh, retiring there, Paul. There's a lot of times when Celtic have heroes and legends at the, the, the team um, and they leave or they, they retire and they move on. Someone comes in to replace them and Immediately there's that comparison, oh, they're not as good as this person, they're not as good as that person. Did you ever feel the pressure to come in to replace Paul McStay in that team? Because a lot of people would have looked at that to say, well, we've brought in a Champions League winner here or a European Cup winner at that point. Um, And obviously the legend, that is Paul McStay. Was that the pressure? you Did that sort of build into that period where you were saying that it took you a bit of time to settle?
5: No, no, I never never felt... um... And without being big-headed, I came for a club that was unbelievable. I played with Pablo Sosa in the middle of the pitch, Andy Mola, guys had won World Cups and things like that. I no, I, I never felt inferior to anybody or who I was playing against. Or I never really bored. Paul, I, I had the greatest respect for Paul McStay. He, he, even when I played against him, it's man Always knew if you stopped McStay, you would stop Celtic playing. In my opinion, that that era, and the, it, when I look at Paul's career at Celtic, could he have moved? Hundred percent could he have done it abroad, or hundred percent good players can play in any any environment. So when I, when I came there, I never felt any pressure that Paul McStay had retired and, and anything like that. What I did know was he was a hell of a player, and when we won it, um, he came into the dressing room when we won it, and I was just sitting there. But I think I was smoking a cigar at the time and, 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 <laughs> and, he, and he, he walked in, he shook my hand and he went, well done. And then I've written great and all that. And that's the only real time I really kind of spoke to Paul at, 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 that, at that time. So maybe he saw the similarity of him yeah, going out and me going in, but I never ever felt the pressure of I have to replace Paul McStay. But to lose Grant and McStay, I think... But, was huge, especially Paul, because I think if you the st- Simon probably you better, I, I think if you stopped stay playing, you more or less stop the, the Celtic Cog thing, because he was a major part I think, how good they were. Yeah, for sure. Um, see,
4: when you uh, hear the name Simon, Craig Falconbridge, what hmm. memories does that bring back
2: for you? <laughs> a, a little wry grin there. Yeah, uh, sometimes wake up in the middle of the night, thinking about his name. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, just listen, that would have been, from a personal point of view, obviously, East End Park, the week before, I think it was the first time it was in our hands, Rangers had slipped up against uh, and we were playing the following day, and yeah, it just wasn't to be, you know, with about 10-15 minutes left, it did, you know, cross my mind that my goal was going to take us over the line, but uh, you then looked at the scenes the following week, you know, albeit it was a hell of a week in terms of we wanted the game the next day, you know, after we slipped up against them filming, the boys wanted to just go and play St Johnson the, the following day. We had to wait a week. And then the St Johnson game wasn't playing sailing, you know, we got off to a great start, but I, I watched it back in, in lockdown when all the games were on and we look nervous as the game goes on because I think everybody's aware of the result elsewhere. And you know what? 1-0, anything can happen. So the relief for everybody, obviously, when Harold scores uh, in the scenes the, the following week. So from a personal point of view, I know what you're saying with Falconbridge. Maybe we can invite him on May the 12th. Give a couple of words with
6: him. <laughs> yeah. Aye, definitely. I think, I think, Said if there's someone else that could be invited on uh, May the 12th, Sergio Perini probably deserved a winner's medal for his contribution to the Celtic cause that season.
2: With uh, Negri.
6: With Negri, yeah, all oh, right, <laughs> enough. Aye, with the squash,
2: they don't, um, anyway. don't want it anyway, definitely. Definitely,
4: Paul. You know, you, you said before you've shared dressing rooms with these guys that obviously, you, you know, have won world cups and yeah. you've you've won a European cup. When it gets to that point, as a fan, I often think about the dressing room before that game against St. Johnson. I mean, as a fan, you're nervous enough, but in that dressing room, who who's the leaders? Who are you looking to, or is it quite easy to look around and say, right? I've got Henrik Larson sitting there, you know, and you can go into a game like that fully confident. Um, because as a fan, I sometimes wonder um, how you're able to deal with that level of pressure.
5: I, that was the beauty about that, that dressing room. I think every one of you is. Uh, if you look at the team, I, I can't remember off the top of my head, I've I known most of the guys, but most of the guys are international players. They, they've played in big games, You know how to handle big games. It, I never felt any pressure where I think, oh, this is, this is going to be ridiculous here and he's nervous and he's nervous. Everybody knew how to how to win games. Yeah, the game itself wasn't great, the St Johnston one, Henry gets his up. but the training I always tell us I don't sign the members, Vim sent to his home on Thursday because we were that bad in training. And that lads were arguing with each other and, and it was getting a bit heated and Vim and, and just says, Right, blow his whistle and he said, Right, on you go, just go home and I'll see you Friday. And he sent us home after about 20 minutes of training. i will never forget that. And uh, he sent us home because it was terrible. training was terrible. And uh, as I said, lads will want to stick one on each other and things like that. So the pressure's starting to go there. But I knew coming
2: Saturday, the, the big players would step up to and, and I, mean, no, the, 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 was... I always thought that dressing room managed itself. Uh, Boydie was a great skipper. Yeah. As Lambo says, I mean, I was one of the younger lads in the, in the dressing room maybe 23 at the time, but we'd, we'd senior, good senior pros yeah. with good European experience in the dressing room as well. We just knew our jobs. Everybody mm. seemed to know their jobs. And I think the influence and the calmness of them, I don't remember anybody really having to rally us before game. We just knew what was required. Uh, and as I said, training could get heated uh, at times, but it was just, even in a dressing room, the, the guys that wanted to win and I think it just managed itself
5: yeah well, that's exactly that there's a team team of winners that that, that was a So that could that could go to toe with, with most of them because physically they could handle it and mentally I think they could handle the the big occasions if you, if you ask Simon if I, mean, I can't remember Simon Vim would never say to us we're going to do shape play or anything like that we all knew where to go we all knew where to yeah. go and even, even to this day if you said to Simon go we'll and play centre floor go we'll and play in
3: Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022, and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.
1: It's the Marketer's Report. This week, Patrizia Spagnoletto, Global Chief Marketing Officer, Direct to Consumer, for Warner Brothers Discovery, weighs in on the difficult task of building and retaining consumer trust. Trust is a really hard thing to build and a really easy thing to destroy, and we have to be very respectful about that. As the number one audio company, iHeartMedia gives you access to all. Every audience, live conversations, trusted influencers, and the insights and data you need to grow. Not just a media company, iHeartMedia is your access company. Go to iHeartResults.com
5: for more. Because the game intelligence is so important for everybody. For some players, you, you've got to have to put them. Stand, start, stand, start. You stand here, you stand here. That dress room, no. no, everybody knew their job.
4: Yeah, yeah. Simon, I'm going to come to you on this one uh, to start with because obviously you've got the elation. Um, 10 years since we won a league, uh, you, you managed to get it over the line. Did you see what was to come? Did you think there was any issue between Vim Jansen? I know there was stuff in the press about him being unhappy with the, the GM at the time. Um, but when that announcement was made in the dressing room, was that a complete surprise, a complete shock to you over in Lisbon?
2: complete shock to me I, th- I think maybe I-, I think we were in Lambo's room when, when the news broke uh, you might be able to correct me if my memory's uh-huh. serving me wrong I think we all had congregated in a room to be told the news and you know as a young guy just, we just won the league I-, I couldn't believe it I think maybe senior players maybe had, I don't know if Lambo had maybe had conversation with them or, or Tom Boyd as captain but I, n- I never seen it coming I never seen it coming uh, and obviously since I've heard things, you know, he had his reasons. Uh but not at the time you were like, what was going on? It was it was a total surprise.
4: Is that your memories as well, Paul?
2: I remember I remember
5: him getting us in the room and telling that was his last his last trip. I roughly knew there was things going behind the scenes with him because it was quite it was quite good with me, he was quite outgoing. I remember because the two was playing the same kind of position, the same kind of way that he kind of leant on me a little bit with, with certain things but I knew there was major issues of it and I thought this is, uh, this is no why you, you sign for a club for one year to break up and and, and go uh, different ways and the time you think everybody becomes disillusioned and you think I, I don't want to stay here because the manager's away and he signed me and then you've got to go for scratch and then it'll give Rangers impetus again to go to mm-hmm. kick on again, which which they did, and it, and it put us in the back foot again. And, until the early two thousands, it put us in the back foot. But that shouldn't take away what Yansen and, and the lads had done, the team had done. Because as I said before, if you, if you strip it right back, what they'd done it—it it was nigh on, on a miracle how they'd done it, nigh on a miracle because the Rangers team was that that strong and that winning mentality. That they did that, did that. They, that they, Rangers had died of the tiger really. They were just bulldozing everything. What we had to do was get that hunger back from them and that 97 team, 98 team certainly
6: had it. Nah, so, it's, so it's 25 years, guys, since the 97, 98, stopping the 10. It's also 20 years since we got to the FA Cup final in Seville this year. Paul, you played in both of those teams. Was there many similarities? And if you had to put them side by side, which was the better team?
5: Oh... <clears throat> Somearies, yeah, hundred percent, because they had nastiness and and yeah, physically. If you look at all the, if you look at the two thousand era, the Albi and, the, and, and the, the Baldi and, and Voharden were absolutely mountains, their players. But you flip it and you look at Arnone, Stubbs, Reaper. Gee, you, can throw, you can throw a blanket over that that back lot because. They all had great attributes and all had that had that nasty streak. Simon so touched on it their training. We trained the way we played mm-hmm. in the 2000s. We, we trained the way they, If you train like a beast, you'll play like one. And the, that, that's the way we've done it. And the similarities are there because the hunger and the fire and, and the belly. Without that, you cannot play the game. And, and the both sets that year has had that. I think it's a, really un, it's a very unfair comparison to try and compare... The 90s team to the 2000s team that I played with All the two I get asked that question all the time about what do you think of the guys in this era could you play in your era good players can play in every era but you can never compare because it, there's a different era but good players can play in different eras but the the 97-98 90, the team would with, with Simon Donnelly get into Martin Neal's team 100%, 100% that's, that's the, no question so that yeah that. it oh, so, <laughs> two of them put,
2: you, put you on the spot, It's a <laughs> <laughs> two, two great teams,
5: two great eras that I was fortunate
4: to play. Simon, I'm going to ask you a wee question here. I was watching Paul's uh, pile driver against Rangers in the two 0 game uh, during the week there, and it's the that moment where the ball bursts in net and it's just that instant elation in the in the crowd. It's it's what you love football for. You do a lot of commentary. Uh, we hear you on Celtic TV and, and elsewhere. Um, if that happened today you'd need to wait for the decision what's your thoughts on that I, no, I know no, we can't get no, through no. a bulletin without mentioning VAR but it's got no. to get better Simon isn't it
2: it's got to get better it frustrates the life out of me I cover the Celtic games just now and I know every goal has to be checked but not to the extent of three four minutes and we've got the advantage of screens in the studio which some, normally when you, you look at it you can tell in five seconds and it's taken three, four minutes, and we've got fans outside looking in, and it's it's taking something away from the fans' experience. That goal that you're talking about with Lambo, they would have stripped it back to something, two moves before, you know, trying to look at a foul or something. It just It's taking something away from the game. I get that they're trying to get decisions more accurate, but it's... it's Kyogo scored two goals recently, and he, he, he couldn't celebrate them properly because they had to strip it back. The guy plays on the edge, he plays on the shoulder of the defenders, but the goals were onside. But because it takes so long for Val to come up with the answer, he can't celebrate properly. It just—it it has to change in some form. I, I know they're talking about bringing in explanation, and you know you can hear the yeah. referee. But I just wondered: is that is that just going to add time on as well? It takes something away from the spont- spontaneity of, of football for me. Yeah, for
4: sure We've got a a question coming in Actually from one of the viewers Paul This one's from An Axom contributor Laura Bradburn Who would have loved To have been here today Afternoon lads Question for Paul Thoughts on Aaron Moy Paul himself knows What it's like to have A French superstar In his back pocket Like we all know Who they're talking about There in the European Cup final Um, What a season Aaron Moy's having Paul I think um, Listen I think Celtic
5: midfield Is really good And I think he's got Incredible options there, the manager. We, we um, with the lads, I think Callum's obviously a stick on it, seems to play all the time. Hattati seems to play all the time. And you've got O'Reilly and Moy and Tumble, and another lad just saying so. They've got really good strength and balance in the midfield. He he, he does some great things, Aaron Moy. I think he a really good World Cup anyway. I think he's just took that form back to Celtic, which is which is great. But he he's always been a good player because he was good down at Huddersfield, he had a really good time. There. Down that neck there um, and it was just him probably finding his feet, what Celtic's like. So he's um, no, nah, he's not a really good good footballer. Where, but he's, I think he plays with really good players in the middle of the pitch for him, which will make it make it easier for him.
6: Yeah, Paul, it's been a, a wee while since we last spoke, and um, we last spoke, we talked about management, and it's been a a while now since you've had a mm. managerial job. There's jobs opening up in Scotland, like the Aberdeen job, and I mean Dwight York is putting himself forward for it. And um, I don't think his coaching credentials quite are anywhere near the standard of yours. If you were given the opportunity, would you come back into management in Scotland? Uh,
5: listen, I'm, I'm happy. With, I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing a lot of stuff down down south at the minute, which I really, I really enjoy. Uh, I've had the opportunity to go back in down here, which I've said no. I've had some things abroad, which uh, I, wasn't right. For me at the minute, so I'm not. The minute I'm, I'm happy where I am. I'm not one of the ones I'm going to put myself out for the rooftops. I want that job or that job. No, I'm happy. Uh, the minute if something comes up and I think it's worthwhile, then I'll go and I'll go and look out.
4: I've got a wee question for the period It's on the the subject of uh, European football, and you know I'm not taking anything for granted. But obviously, and is doing so well domestically, and we always look ahead to uh, the European campaigns. Simon, there was a. Uh, a tie against Liverpool in that 97-98 season that I think showed your quality as a team you know the two each game, the nothing each game Um, and Ange must have one eye on European progression from what you've seen so far do you think it's something that we can progress in? Uh, I mean I, I I was pretty happy with some of the performances in the Champions League this season we didn't get the results we wanted Simon but what's your take on that? Do you think it's something we can improve on next season?
2: I think so. I think that's part of uh, Angie's project as well. I think he said that he wants to establish himself in the Champions League, but it's it's easier said than done. You know, with the finances round about, football these days, you go back to Lambo's team of the two thousands. You know, Martin O'Neill's team. I thought came really close to doing. I know they got to the the final UEFA Cup. Talked about in the Champions League, they came really close to. I think getting into the knockout stages with that team where yeah. I Henrik Larsen at the top of his game, who knows where they could have went. I think the challenge for, for Ange now is to keep moving forward with the team. His recruitment has been brilliant up until now, you know, really exciting. I covered the Real Madrid game for 60, you can argue, yeah, 3-0 Real Madrid, but for 60 minutes, Celtic really played, we went toe-to-toe with Real Madrid. Uh but it's difficult because these guys are world-class. Uh, but again, the Celtic fans appreciate it and they're all standing at the end because they, they accept that there is a way to, to get beat, if you like. I'm just interested to see what, where he goes next and brings in recruitment and can get closer. I like the way he goes about his business. I don't want Celtic to go and be behind the ball and, and be... You know, trying to get a nil-nil or whatever. I like the way he goes about it. He backs himself to go and attack and try and score goals, which they have done. And hopefully, they get stronger as as, as a defensive unit. Uh, but it's really difficult, as I say. That they're, they're, they're fighting. It's not fire with fire. You know, they're fighting. You know, the, the finances that the, the European teams have got. It's it's not a, a level playing field.
4: Yeah, for sure. Paul, you won the gong, you won the European Cup uh, with Borussia Dortmund and and has spoken about ambitions and aspirations. How do you think we could fare uh, you know, moving into the next season with the development and the progression and maybe some new faces as well next year?
5: I, I have Sam touched on it again. It, it, Martin Neal's team never qualified with nine points. Nine points now we don't need enough when you're when the group. Mm-hmm. Some teams can, can get through in six, so all you need is a wee bit of lot and a, and a couple of little results to go your way. And, and I agree with Simon, I saw some of the games, and the lads done great, the club done great. He's right, what you're saying there about the finances you've got to compete. It's uh, it's David and Goliath, really, even though Celtic are a huge club. But if you gave Celtic that same finance, then it'd be really interesting where they, where they went with it. Everybody knows how the manager plays. The full-backs come in and, and they get the overloads and the, and the two midfield lads go wide and things like that. Top, top teams and top players, I think, can really hurt you in the wide areas because you're that exposed in the wide, the wide areas if they keep two winners high. But the manager doesn't go away for his belief and quite rightly so. But you've seen it in his face, his disappointment. He never picked up any wins or any points in that or any significant wins in that, that group. The Champions League, you need a bit of a break somewhere. Whether you get a group, of, maybe is not as strong as what Celtic had the last time and, and it's a group where you think, you know what, we can maybe get something there. But if Celtic can just keep picking up points in each game they play over there or in that, in that section, then you've always got a chance. When I won it, we had to qualify with 13 points because ourselves and Atletico Madrid finished on the same amount of points. The only difference being was Atletico Madrid beat us in goal difference. So we finished second and they finished obviously top, and we had to go and play outside, and, and then Manchester and then obviously the final, so you need that little bit of a break in there uh, with it at certain times, but when you really want to hit that level a top, top European football one, you've got to be so cute without the ball because you get runners wanting to go behind you and you can get attracted to the ball and the guys drift off your back or somebody does a step over and fires into the top corner, you're playing against different animals when you leave your domestic league because Simon knows when you go into European stage you're playing against you're playing against top 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 players where they might not be in the game for at least 30-40 minutes and then all of a sudden it's a goal and you think where's that came from That that's the difference between the top ones and the the ones that aspire to be there but they're not a million miles away from trying to get a group section I think that's the next stage for the managers to try and just if you get at that group stage then I think he'll get loads of applause. Because he's playing well enough, he just needs to go that extra yard with it. Whether he thinks new guys need to come in and help, I'm pretty sure he'll know who he thinks can, can help him.
6: One of the things you, you mentioned, Paul, about the 97 team, the Seville team, was how they had that bit of nastiness about them that mm. sort of got them there. I think if you look at the, the Celtic team just now, <clears throat> there isn't really that nastiness about them. They're a very technically gifted side, very mm. skillful side. Do you think, in the coming transfer window in the summer especially ahead of Europe, that's something I should look to, to try and have more success in Europe is to have someone like that, there's always been that sort of talk that we've never really replaced Scott Brown and what he could bring to the team if things get nasty, he could get involved is that something we should maybe look at for the summer? Do
5: you know what I don't know because I don't know the Celtic dressing I don't know what they guys are like, they, they could be animals in there, I'm saying from my time and Simon's time and the 2000 era and, and even my time with, with Scotland or, the, or Dortmund, there's always arguments there and addressing them at half-time or, or full-time whatever is it always? That, that's, that's normal for for any team that wants to win. You, you, you've got to be you have got to be a, a certain animal or a certain type of player that you can point the finger and think, right, okay, I'm going to take this on the chin or, or and then we let it go because we're going to try and win the next game. The nastiness, I mean, is, is people that will run through walls for you and, and you'll do the exact same for them and you'll be at his back, your mate's back. That's sign that's I really talk side that, that have that. Celtic might have that, I don't know. And you're saying, obviously you're saying they're, they, they're really technical gifted. You'd like to think if things wasn't going in the dressing room, somebody would point the finger. If it's, it, 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 because that's how you win trophies. But Simon will tell you, you've got to have that nastiness to win trophies to to get that at times. And put it this way, if I was getting my backside felt in a pitch, I wouldn't even want to stand thinking, oh, my mate's really nice to me, thinking, oh, it's all right, you'll be fine. You'd expect somebody to kick you in the backside to, to give you one. So it's a real difficult question because I don't know the dressing room. From my time, 100% arguments and nastiness. Even though I was growing up as a 15-year-old, I saw fights in dressing rooms, which, which, uh, which were meant for crazy things. So that, would you get that now? Probably not. But the games changed and, and people changed. So it's... Um...
3: Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of OOKLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com slash internet for details.
5: The Celtic guys have got the, the nastiness because they know they have to win every week. They have to win where they play on United or whoever. It doesn't really matter. They have to win because that's the pressure about being a Celtic player. You have to win every single game you play. And that's, yeah. that's a nice sign of nastiness. hmm
4: for sure. That ruthlessness, aye, for sure. Um, the 12th of May, you guys are going to be at the Armadillo in Glasgow. Tickets are actually available on the link underneath this video. And we've been saying to you that two of the, the viewers are going to win two VIP uh, tickets to that particular night. Uh, Simon Donnelly, I don't know if we're going to have to wait until then to find out what the uh, Smell the Glove Carry On was about Um, there seems to be a few stories over the years are we going to have to wait until Dan Madillo to find out the truth
2: Well, we've got the the real story obviously Uh, it was created in our dressing room but uh, yeah I'm thoroughly looking forward to the night I think these these things don't come around I remember uh, us celebrating 10 years anniversary which is absolutely mind-blowing we're now going for the 25th but it's brilliant because you are like ships and then I you know, in dressing rooms, you know, when you go to a different club, it's a great reason for us all to get back together. It's a special, special season in the in the club's history. So it'll be great to get uh, the fans there and, and see the boys. And I'm still really looking forward to it
4: yeah for sure um, our friends at, at First Star have given us a couple of VIPs so all you need to do keep watching the channel subscribe to the channel and if you want to buy tickets and see Simon Paul and some other guys pay tribute uh, to the late great Vim Jansen then the ticket link is underneath this video uh, Simon Paul it's been an absolute pleasure always is a pleasure to speak to you guys about your Celtic careers thanks for your time and hopefully we'll see you on the 12th of May guys No problem, Cheers, guys Thank
2: see you. There.
4: Colin, what well, what an absolute privilege it is to have Paul Lambert and Simon Donnelly join us on a Celtic State of
6: Mind. Two great Celtic men, um, some great stories and I'm sure there'll be more on the 12th of May. So if you haven't got your tickets already, as Paul said, it's in the description, get them now. I just wonder, I never get a chance to ask Paul there, I wonder if he'll bring a wee pool table along that night. Do you hear he's a bit of a pool shark? Well, I you tell you,
4: but it's that's a great point. Um, you know how I'm working my way through the old Celtic videos, and very slowly, um, I'm doing the, the acts from Retro Video Club. One of them follows Paul Lambert about, yep. I don't know I if remember you remember that, that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And he remember. goes in, and, and then it's him and Larson playing pool and
6: stuff like yeah. that as well. They actually showed that, um, people remember it better than me, I was a bit younger, but Celtic played Livingston um, at home, and the floodlight is cut out. Um I think it may have been around December time. Uh Livingston were two one up at the time. Um and the game obviously was paused whilst they put an R50p in the meter or whatever it was. Um but on the big screen they showed that video um and they showed the Paul picking up whoever it was he took to training and then playing Larson at the pool and yeah, so I'd be interested to see if he'd he'd bring that back. And if memory serves me right, Celtic won three two that day with a goal and in injury time. There you go. You've got a good memory, Colin. Look at this, Tony McCann,
4: PJD. Stop with the soonest for sure impersonations. (laughs) Listen, at some point, someone's going to go through the archive of Axom episodes and pick out all the stuff that people continually say uh, that you're completely unaware of, Colin. And if that's one of mine, I wasn't aware of it until you you said that. Alan, absolutely, it is great to get the ex-Selks in on a show. Simon's been on a couple of times with yourself and me, uh, Colin. And you've interviewed Paul Lambert as well. Um, And I just think, yeah, Vin the Tim, it's it's a great time to look back on that season. You, of course, you were only three at that time, Colin. Three when the season started, yeah. But that that gave birth to someone in Henrik Larson, really, his Celtic career, who became like a staple part, like a legendary figure in your formative years supporting Celtic. But that was really his introduction to the Celtic fan base, a slightly different version of Henrik back then.
6: Yeah, definitely. Um, I remember one of the first Celtic videos or DVDs that I'd got was the Henrik Larsson, The Boy Who Would Be King. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was like my first look back at that season um, because YouTube wasn't around back then and um, it was kind of difficult to get a hold of stuff. Um, And I remember watching that and going, how could you have such a terrible start and then going to be such a legend? Chick Charlie, I mean, we were talking about giving Chick Charlie a Scotland cap at that point. That was the, the way things were going, but um, it's incredible. And I remember um, when Wim passed away about a year ago, We uh, there was a sort of memorial, um, memories of that period that was put together by, um, <clears throat> I think it was the Celts are here, um, and they asked me to be on it. And one of the things I remember back from that was when I was in school, there was a book released um, and it was a book all about that season. Mm-hmm. So that's how I've got the memories of Marco Negri and Perini and Ed family and Dundee United done pretty well that season as well. St. Johnston were doing quite well. They were going for Europe on the same day that they played us. Um, and I found it on eBay a couple of months ago and it's only £1.25 and I'm pretty sure that the sort of brick and bracket, the primary school fit that I bought it at. was about £1.25, so um, good to see that it's holding its value throughout these years. Oh, absolutely. But
4: the the, the team, the third force that season was Hearts, and I find it interesting that back then, I I already said, Rangers had spent 14.5 million quid in the summer. I think the three Italians came in, Amoruso, Negri and and Perini, two that you've already mentioned, but they were spending big money. Celtic were spending money in a different way. What was that? Sorry, I was just making sure to caveat that was money that they didn't have. Yes, yeah. And Celtic were spending money. I mean, Burley, two and a half million quid. You know, Reggie Blinker was a trade uh, between Sheffield Wednesday and obviously Paulo Decanio went in the other direction. But we bring in Harold Bratt back for a couple of million pounds, Mark Reaper for one and a half. And, you know, obviously the, the bargain of the century with Henrik Larson, 650 grand. We bring in Darren Jackson, Stefan Mahe, Jonathan Gould. So there was big spending clubs in Celtic and Rangers at that time, but Hearts still competed. They tailed off near the end of the season, Colin. But I find it interesting now that a lot of the talk coming out of Tencastle is that they want to compete with Celtic and Rangers. I mean, mm-hmm. um, is that something... I, I think you've all, always got to take any competition seriously, but is that something that you think is possible from a team like Hearts?
6: I, I don't see why not. I mean, you look at Edinburgh, obviously... Big, one of the biggest cities in Scotland, um, they've got a good fan base there. I think if they were ever to expand Tynecastle, they would probably sell quite a few more tickets. Um, they have this opportunity now if they finish third; they're basically into a playoff for um, the Europa League, and and maybe not this season, maybe not next season. But if they can, if we continue doing well in Scotland and we continue to keep our reputation up. I don't see why they couldn't make it into the Europa League group stages um, and reinvest that money properly. They've got some good players yeah. there. Um, they For have sure. Good players there yeah. and, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> All it takes is one bad season. One bad season from either half of um, Glasgow and they could find themselves in the Champions League the way things are going just now. So I, I don't like this idea where other teams in Scotland say the gap's too big, the gap's too big. Work on it. Improve yourself. Yeah, yeah. I
4: believe that. I do, Colin. And I've said it quite a lot of the time. Sometimes, you know, you go in, you look at different clubs at different levels and you can see. And listen, they might just say, what do you know? You're not a you know, mm. a CEO. You're not a GM. But a lot of the things I was seeing when I was looking at the um, situation, for example, that Dunfermline were in, uh, 11 years ago now and a lot of it seemed pretty obvious from the outside looking in that there was opportunities that weren't being capitalised on and it's not always constantly going back to the same group of fans and asking for more money and more money. It is about slowly but surely expanding that fan base and doing it in a creative way uh, and I know that Alan Burrows, who's obviously made the, the move over to Aberdeen, Colin, he was working really hard and done some brilliant stuff
6: at Motherwell, for example. That's a great move for Aberdeen. mm mm-hmm. I mean, I think he'll totally rejuvenate them um, and they need it at the minute. By the they, way, fair play to you
4: for throwing that grenade at Paul Lambert. You want the Aberdeen job, mate? Aye, ah, just, gotta, just throw I'm that one in.
6: got to try it. <laughs> um, make a wee clip we can put on our Shorts channel. Um, but no, I think with Burroughs coming in at Aberdeen, um, certainly what he'd done at Motherwell was tremendous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think but on a bigger budget, on a bigger scale... You can do a lot of good things up in Aberdeen. Aberdeen, again, it's a, the city, of, it's a city of Apafia up there. They still get 16,000, 17,000, but look at how many uh, seats they filled at the cup final at Celtic Park. So when they've got a successful team, the fans will turn up. So... It's all about getting it right up there. They've got Dave Cormack, who does want to put the money behind them. You've seen that with the money that Jim Goodwin spent this summer. They're another team that could be pushing for Europe that could do well if they got a, a European run. Uh, they've done look, pretty well, Colin, with, um
4: selling players as well. You know, yeah. when you think he, uh, players like Ferguson, who I knew you were his biggest fan, Lewis Ferguson. Mm-hmm. I, I was a fan. I liked Lewis Ferguson. Um, they've done well with, with McKenna, didn't they? Um mm-hmm. And who was a young the the fullback Calvin Ramsey as well Calvin yeah. Ramsey yeah I mean they have done a bit a bit of good business as well with players coming and and being sold on I think there's potential there so uh, we'll keep an eye on that I, I just want to bring in some of your comments I appreciate that we normally bring in a lot more. Um, we obviously, Paul Lambert and Simon being here today, it was a wee bit different setup, a different format. Studs Lanigan, great stuff there, must watch again. Yeah, it was. It's uh, always an absolute pleasure to talk to anyone who pulled on the green and white hoops for, for real. Paul Andrew Martin, great win for Axon. that was magic. Well, in, um, I, I love the two different personalities between Simon and, and Paul as well. Well done, two fantastic players and great guests. Thanks for tuning in, Keith. Uh, and Robert Highland, nice surprise this afternoon, acts from two Celtic greats. Um, and I think he's talking about the ones who are no longer on the screen, <laughs> Colin, for sure. Uh, William Kennedy,
6: sorry. I was going to say, the thing with Paul is he's very, um, you can tell he's very composed in front of the camera. Yes. He, um, he speaks very, very well. If anyone hasn't seen the interview that I did with him, what was that, about 18 months ago now for the is, channel? Yeah. Um, go and check that out because he talks... Really well about his former teammates, uh, guys like Stephen O'Donnell, um, talking about how they combat the sort of issues of mental health in football as well. So mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a really good eye-opening interview um, and I recommend everyone go check it out. Not just because I'm in it, but Paul speaks really, really well. And while you're on
4: the channel, um, subscribe because we're going to be giving away a couple of VIP meet and greet, meet and greet tickets and it's on the, the 12th of May at the Armadillo. It's a tribute evening for the dearly departed Wim Jansen and that great side of 25 years ago. Um, and the organisers for Star have given us these VIP tickets this week. We're going to be giving away those tickets tomorrow to someone who subscribes to the channel, be that a new subscriber, someone who's been in here for years. Everybody's put in a pot and we will draw the winning ticket out. Um, and hopefully we'll be able to have some more guests from that team. I'm not going to give you any names at this moment, Colin, but there might be another couple coming up over the next two weeks um, as well. Sweet Swede would be lovely. It certainly would. If you want to buy tickets for the the, uh, the Super Swede and the rest of that team, underneath this video is a link. Click on the link and that will take you to the Armadillo's uh, website. John Francis is asking where JP is today. Uh, the Music Man JP, John, is on music duty uh, <laughs> somewhere in the world. And um, he is with, with one of the bands that he works very, very closely with. But he will be back next week. And I felt gutted for him actually, because I know that that today would have been right up his street with, with Simon Donnelly and Paul Lambert.
6: And Paul Lambert's tribute to him as well. Did you not see that? What was that? He had the jersey in the background. Did oh, oh the that's right. Yeah, was that a
4: Bayern Munich one, by the way? Yeah, it looked like it, a, yeah. Bayern it Munich, like yeah. 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 <laughs> um, Ray Vaughan. Uh, If you know, you know, PJD, any video for a watch list, something I've wanted to do for a while. Right. The the situation with that is we've got every single VHS video that's ever been released on Celtic. It's known as a dead collection. There's never going to be another release on VHS. So we've got the whole collection. Um, And I would love to just, you know, burn them and stick them on the channel. But you're not allowed to do that for copyright reasons. Um, But what we can do is you're able to review them which allows you fair usage of the content as as long as it's for review purposes. So what we're doing on the channel um, is one by one, we're going through every single one of these videos and we're reviewing them. There's a couple up there already. Um, I've got to get my head around editing software before I do another uh, batch of those, but I will get through every single one of them. And I've also got uh, literally hundreds of the old VHS tapes as well, taped off the telly, and there's a lot of content on there that, you know, even Lil Z on Twitter, for example, uh, hasn't posted in the past. It's not just goals, it's things like when um, Jack and Oski was doorstepped for his birthday and all that. Colin, this is before your time, but it's an mm-hmm. infamous it's an infamous piece of footage that you don't see that often, or when Billy McNeil's getting interviewed after a Scottish Cup win against Rangers, where Tommy Coyne and scored the winner, and Terry Butcher kicks the door and walks past Big Billy and Iluki um horror on Billy McNeil or Fury on Billy McNeil's face. I've never seen it. It might be somewhere on YouTube, but we're going to start uh, utilizing all that kind of content and getting it on the channel. So there is a there is a list. If you look at Axom.net, which is our blog, um I, I put a list on there some time ago. So even if you just type in VHS uh, retro video club axom.net there's a whole list there, all the videos um on there as well. Colin, it's been fantastic to speak to yourself and also to Paul Lambert uh, and Simon Donner. We'll be back at 12.30 tomorrow where there'll be another special guest on Axom. Thanks, everybody, for getting involved. And we'll see you at 12.30 tomorrow on A Celtic State of Mind. Take care.
1: as the number one audio company iheartmedia gives you access to all every audience live conversations trusted influencers and the insights and data you need to grow iheartmedia is your access company go to iheartresults.com for more
3: sports social podcast network sports social podcast network sports social podcast network Sports Social Podcast Network. Sport Social Podcast Network. Sport Social, Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network. Sports Social Podcast Network.
7: Confidence starts with loving who you are.